Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my very own NLP practitioner course. I've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, for nearly 15 years. It is the most powerful tool for communication on the planet, and it can be yours today. For a very limited time, I'm giving away my entire NLP course workbook for free. Go to nlpwithmatt.com. All the patterns, all the tools, and the techniques of NLP in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. NLPwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. Hey, welcome back, my friends, to The Driven Entrepreneur. It's Matt Browning, and you know we are uh, not stopping here, not stopping at the Driven Entrepreneur prestigious offices in my second floor small home in Grand Rapids, Colorado, where this emanates from. Um, as the world goes nuts, as things keep happening, we are continuously having phenomenal conversations, interviews, sometimes topical talks, and sometimes to get your mind off what's going on. Um, I think today is going to be a little bit of both because I have someone who's just an absolute dear friend of mine on. Um, sometimes I have guests that I've just barely met, but this is a guy who I've known for years and years in the entrepreneur space, in the seminar space, in the book writing space, in the motorcycle riding up and down the coast of California space, and in the podcast space most recently in the last few years. Uh, Steve Olsher is in the house. Let me quickly tell you about Steve. He's a 30-year entrepreneur. Uh, he's the founder and editor-in-chief of Podcast Magazine, the only magazine dedicated to fans of podcasts. They go beyond the microphone and interview some of the top podcasters in the world. He's also the original chairman and founder of Liquor.com, an online pioneer. Um, he, launched, he helped to launch CompuServe's Electronic Mall in 1993. So he's been online since before the dinosaurs. He's also the New York Times bestselling author of What Is Your What? Discover the one amazing thing you were born to do, real estate developer, and on and on and on. His great podcast, number one rated podcast, Reinvention Radio. He also has another show called Beyond Eight Figures. And I'm going to get into all that and more. But before too long, I want you to hear his voice. Steve, welcome to the show. What's up, brother? My friend. Thanks for having me. Hey. Thanks for uh, being had. I, I appreciate it. I know you have a very busy life right now. We just came off of one of the last live events, really, that that went off uh, a few weeks back, and this was definitely. Yes. I want to go ahead. I want. I want maybe the last live event ever. I'm thinking, right? Just my God. I think it probably was. <laughs> Until we come back around, it's normal. But yeah. I just want to start by telling you, if any, you know, when you're listening and, and you like live events, conferences, seminars, you know, I just want to commend you because I think the timing was perfect. It was before all the, you know, the bands and things were going on around the world. So I think you ethically and and intelligently decided to have the show go on. Everyone who attended was very grateful for that. Um, and had it happened a week later, it probably would have been postponed like many other events. But I just want to commend you for putting that on, having courage, and you did it very safely, very intelligently. Uh, really good show, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. You know, and, and you're right. When we, um, when we met and we were thinking like, geez, does, does the show go on? Does it go on? Does it go on? Does it go on? What do we do here? 
you know, we were not at the point of having mandates in the way that, you know, it's come down now. It's just kind of been like, yeah, you know, we're not quite sure where this is going, but yeah, literally uh, putting 200 people in a room uh, this week would have been illegal. Drastically illegal, even 50, even 10 old people. So, <laughs> but nonetheless, we've gotten through that and uh, it was a phenomenal event. So you, you're one of the guys, you're one of the good guys. You put on some great events. You take care of your people and I'm talking staff, I'm talking volunteers, I'm talking speakers and attendees. You just do a great job and I'm not blowing smoke, man. I've, I've, you know, I've put on hundreds of live events and I've spoken at just as many from different people and you definitely make the top one to three, for sure the top three of any live event I've ever been to, mine included. Yeah. Well, I mean, I appreciate that. And you and I, like you said, have known each other for, for a long time and you, um, you know, you've, you've always been really supportive of what we're doing and you've, you, you came as an attendee first uh, to the, to the uh, New Media Summit. And then uh, over the last few times that you've been there uh, as one of the podcasters who actually accepts pitches from, uh, from those in attendance. So really, really appreciate your support. Well, happy, happy to give it and happy to receive it back. So just since we're on that subject real quick, um, we don't know exactly what the future holds. I know we don't know exactly what uh, the next rendition of the event will be, if it'll be identical or there's a pivot in the future. You know, there's a lot of things we don't know, but could you just quickly explain kind of a little bit more elaboration on what you just said, uh, what that New Media Summit, you can find that info at newmediasummit.net. I don't want to plug too much, but I kind of want to because this is a really good event. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about kind of what that's about and who would go to this event? Yeah, you know, we, um, we uh, as, a, as a team, kind of sat back and looked at the landscape a couple, almost three years ago now, and, and really just said, you know, we, we get pitched all the time, because I've got a couple of podcasts, Reinvention Radio and Beyond Eight Figures, uh, and we get pitched all the time for people who want to be guests on our shows. And then talking to a lot of our podcast, you know, associates, friends, peers, et cetera, and knowing that they got pitched so much, it was just like, geez, I, I wonder if we could do something that would be kind of creative where we did kind of like the voice meets Shark Tank or, you know, that sort of thing where we give attendees the opportunity to pitch mm, podcasters, right, on who they are and what they do and literally get booked on the spot. And so as we talk to, to more coaches and authors and speakers and business owners and so on about the idea, more and more of them just kind of raised their hands, right? And said, yeah, this is a really interesting idea. If you do it, let us know. Uh, you know, we, we, we'd potentially attend that event. And then as I talked to more podcast friends uh, about whether or not they would accept those sort of pitches and, and book people, you know, if they heard some really interesting stories, would they book them on their shows? And we heard a lot of yeses there. So in September of 2017, uh, we, we had our first new media summit. And that's what we did. We brought in 40 top podcasters and we gave 150 attendees the opportunity to, to pitch them on who they are and what they do. And they got booked on their shows. And we've now done six of them. Just an incredible experience because I... Again, I said I put you in the top three because there's one other event that's somewhat similar for getting booked on television, which is very hard to do. And you can walk out with real bookings on the spot. And that to me is something that that tangible deliverable that people are looking for. It's different than anything else I've ever seen. You know, you're not, you're not just teaching, even though teaching is really cool. But this isn't your first foray into live events. You've done a lot of events. You used to have an event called um, Internet Profits Live and you've had some of the biggest speakers on the stage and you've produced yeah. that for a number of years. What, what year did you put on your first ever live event? How long have you been in this live event game? 
Yeah, I mean, technically, if we're going, let's go all back. The way back. Yeah, I mean, all the way back through my career, uh, the first live event, so to speak, that I put on, I, I would have to say, is actually when I opened my own nightclub, right? Because I mean, every night that we were open, it was kind of like a live event, and oftentimes we would have hundreds of people there on any given night. Um, later, I ended up doing an event called World Beer Fest which was one of the original beer sampling type events where we brought in, God, I don't know, like 200 different beer vendors and people would be able to, to sample. And, you know, of course that was uh, an interesting <laughs> event to say the least. Um, and I think we had, you know, two or 3000 people at that, uh, at that event. And then, yeah, going on to do uh, the reinvention workshop and uh, internet profits, as you mentioned, uh, and now with the new media summit, so technically, I guess if we're if we're looking at a, a club as a live event, so to speak, then I guess the first live event I actually did was back in 1991. 1991. I was freshly on the way to junior high, getting ready, <laughs> wishing I could go to your club. Can you share? Uh, I don't know a little story about Mr. Bold, the the DJ alter ego that you had back in the day. Any fun stories, or just kind of down memory lane of uh, of certain nights maybe, or, or characters you met along the way. I know you've shared your story of, of opening the club and DJing and everything for how long you did that, but any yeah. interesting stories about those times? Yeah. Lots of fun stories for sure. I mean, anytime you're in that world, um, you know, one of my, one of, one of my more interesting stories is there was a, um, a rap artist who was kind of a one hit wonder, uh, who was, uh, who went under the, the, the name of, the Candyman, and um, and he and he had like one really big hit. He built a career around that hit, and we had started to bring in some uh, live acts to to the club, and so uh, we were we weren't even there. There's an expression in the in the club business and uh, in, in, in the music industry, which is known as an elevator club, which basically means you you kind of catch people really on their way up in their career, uh, or on their, on their way down. Well, <clears throat> this was, this, this was definitely the elevator that was going down for <laughs> Candyman. And so, uh, oh, Candyman. the Candyman, we, uh, so we, we talked to his agent, worked out a deal and I, I think it was like 10 grand or something like that. I can't even remember, maybe less, maybe like five grand or something to bring him in for a couple of hours. And, so he literally just had nothing going on at that point. And yet it was so bad in terms of trying to coordinate with, with this guy that we literally had to go and, and pick him up, put him in the car to get him to basically lip sync because he just, he, he had no, like, I don't know what exactly his thought process was at the moment, but it was way back in the day of just having those DAP machines where you put in a cassette kind of uh, tape and you played it and, and lip synced along with it. If you really just didn't have any talent around the mic and, and it was, let me just say that it, it took everything in my power not to pull that guy off the stage with, uh, with the cane. But yeah, it was, it was one of those things where it was just no risk, no reward. And I had thought maybe if we could bring in some of those acts that it would really help move the needle. 
but that really just proved that, you know, a lot of those folks are just prima donnas, no matter where they are in their career. And I don't think it's only the entertainment business, is it? You know, having done as many live events as you and I have probably cumulatively, Mm. have you had, you don't need to name any names, but have you ever had like speakers that sort of showed up at your event and kind of acted similar and you're, cause I've had moments, man, when I'm sitting in the back of a seminar and there's hundreds of people in the room and I'm just thinking, Oh, like get off the stage. Why did I give this to you? What do I do when you're, when you put, cause you're a promoter at heart. I, I would say one of the many things that's in your heart is certainly a promoter, right? You can bring people, gather people. That's what I would call a promoter. Uh, you're certainly a teacher, you're a mentor, you're all those things, but promoter is definitely one of those hats. Um, What's the, what's the attitude you get when you sort of, you know, you go between the teacher mentor and the promoter where sometimes you have to, you're gathering people and you're saying, Hey, check this thing out or check out this tribe, these people, you know, the check out this podcast or whatever versus, Hey, come here because you came to hear from me and I'm going to teach you something. Do you ever have difficulty going between those two uh, hats or is it sort of becoming a little more flow for you? And yeah. what's it like when you're kind of promoting someone else and it turns out less than uh, what you're hoping for? Yeah, so a lot, a lot to unpack there. Uh, let me start with the, the handing the microphone out, right? And so when you, when you have um, a stage of, of any sort, I mean, like this is a stage, right? No matter how you slice it, there's people listening and you've had to, to work hard to promote the show and to get people to download and, and listen to the show. Um, and so when, when you hand me the microphone, even for this stage, you know, it's an honor, right? And, it, and it's a privilege. And I, and I certainly look at it that way and certainly look at it from the standpoint of, I, of course, not only need to be respectful uh, of your investment of, of time into having me on, but also in terms of what it's taken for you to be able to build your tribe and to build your audience. And so there are, there are a lot of folks who feel as though they are doing the promoter, if we're using that term, a favor by coming on and, and sharing their brilliance, whether it's as a guest on a podcast or uh, even if it's uh, on, on a physical stage, right? So there, there, there really is, um, uh, it, it has to be a, a relationship that is, that is valued and appreciated in order for it to really work. And so there are some people, um, let's just say that they don't look at it in that same exact way, especially when it comes to a show clock, right? Like you asked me very specifically, to try to keep today's conversation to, you know, around 30 minutes, right? That's about how long you want to go. And so that's obviously what I'm, what I'm keeping in mind here. Now, all of that said, when you, when you have a, a show clock, it's one thing. When you have a stage clock, it's, it's another. And in most cases, well, <laughs> you have a pretty big clock there that you can't miss in terms of how much time you've been allocated. And when I am a guest on, on someone else's stage, <clears throat> I absolutely keep an eye on that clock and do everything that I can in my power to finish with, with time to spare. Uh, there have been plenty of people who we've had on our stages over time uh, that really just don't care. And it's probably the most narcissistic, selfish act that a, a speaker could ever engage in which is not keeping an eye on, on that clock, let alone all the demands and, and not paying and all of the other fun stuff that goes hand in hand with hosting an event. 
Couldn't agree more. So you you still, of course, have speakers on a regular basis, but uh, maybe we'll save that if we get a chance to chat again uh, on our other podcast, the Speaking and Getting Books show and talk more about the live events. I would like to transition into some of your transitions, man. Um, mm. you know, your show, Reinvention Radio, obviously wasn't just a random concept. It really stemmed from your life, your business. When you wrote your New York Times bestselling book, What Is Your What? What's the one thing you were born to do? You know, you talk a lot in that book about finding that one thing. But I want to ask you about, and I think it's timely now, about pivoting. Do you believe there's a time to pivot from the one thing? Or is it more like once you know a one thing you were born to do, that's the one thing. And maybe there's different iterations or different ways you do the one thing. And you, you reinvent those. Can you talk a little bit about pivoting, reinvention, and what your take is on that one thing? Does it change or does it stay? Yeah, so I appreciate the opportunity to share this. It, what you're talking about um, is really what, what I call the what is your what framework, which is something that I created. You know, in author land, they say that you, you write the book that you most need. And so for me, I've really always had that question about how am I naturally wired to excel? What is it that I'm really, really good at? Um, and, and, what's, and what's really interesting here is I literally just wrote down the four words, I am a promoter. Because I never really thought about myself in that way till you said it. And, and I'm going to let that sit and let that resonate and let that marinate for a while. Because um, that, that may actually be, Matt, the best description of me that anyone has ever given to me as a gift. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit with that for a moment here. But it, it plays directly into your point. Hashtag, which is biggest, I am what Matt calls me. I am what Matt calls me. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Continue. Um, and so the, so the, what is your, what framework is really the framework that I needed when I was trying to figure out how I'm naturally wired to excel going through the Myers Briggs and the, what colors your parachutes and those trends finders and so on. And, you know, all those modalities really just left me with a lot more questions than answers. And I was thinking, God, there's gotta be an easier way here to, to try to understand myself. And so what I became really clear on, especially when I started teaching the reinvention workshop, which was a workshop where I really helped people wherever they were in their life, just transition into what was next. And so the, what is your, what framework came from those teachings and those experiences of working with those attendees over the years. And what it really came down to, and what I really figured out is that you only need three key pieces of the puzzle to really create a, a life that is fulfilling uh, and potentially lucrative for you as well. Doing you know, what comes as naturally to you is breathing. And so really it, it just does boil down to, to the three elements of the, what is your, what framework, your core gift, which is basically what's in your DNA. You know, as I say, your, what really has chosen you, it's not that what you have chosen. And so your gift is the, is, is really how your natural abilities come out to the public. How, what do you know, what you're able to manifest and put out into the world. And so as an example, your core gift might be communicating or protecting or enrolling or entertaining or healing or something of that nature. The second piece of the puzzle then is understanding the primary vehicle that you will use to share that gift. And so as an example, if healing is your primary gift, then the vehicle that you might use could be something like mm, massage or, or Reiki or maybe you're a doctor or whatever that is. And then the third piece of the puzzle would be the people. And really having clarity around who are the people that you are most compelled to serve. 
And so once you have those pieces in place, it, it really becomes difficult to, to stop you. The thing is, most people will go through life without ever figuring out the answer to one part of the equation, let alone all three. And so it's a lot like a tripod. You know, if you know what your gift is and you know what your vehicle is, but you're unclear on the people that you're most compelled to serve, that doesn't work. And if you know who your people are, you know what your vehicle is, but you don't really understand how you're naturally wired to excel. You don't know what your gift is, right? That doesn't work. And so again, run it six ways from Sunday and you, you really do need all three. And so it's, um, it is interesting though, as I, as I evolve here and as I work with uh, tens of thousands of people over the years that I do think that your gift, Matt, to answer your question, remains stagnant throughout your life. So if you're a natural born communicator, you're a communicator. If you're a natural born teacher, you're a teacher. If you're a healer, you're a healer. But the vehicle you use to share that gift and the people that you're most compelled to serve, those things are more fluid. Those are more organic. Those can change over time. Great answer to that too, because I, I I definitely believe that, you know, and that's where we come to pivot. So you think that we can pivot, we can change, and it might be the vehicle changes. Um, when, when I think about me, I'll just put myself on the hot seat. I, I think the one thing that I've continuously been able to come back to is probably teacher. Um, yeah. a, a friend of mine once said, if you cut me, I bleed what, you know? Um, and I'm like, I, if you cut me, I bleed teaching, you know, at the end of the day, I, I can sell or I can communicate or I can do different things, but I just want to like have people where I'm like, Hey, I want to share this information in a new way so you can get it. So whether it's third grade math with my son or it's in a seminar or it's something new that I just learned or in the church setting, I want to do that, but it has changed over time. Um, yeah. Speaking of you changing over time, so you've taught, you know, online internet work, you've taught how to have a fun and get boogie down with uh, Mr. Bold, the DJ, you have done real estate work, you've done some massive real estate developments, all of these things. I want to talk about kind of your latest real pivot. And it was, you know, almost three years ago, like you said, going to New Media Summit and getting into the podcasting world. But you were just sharing recently, we were at a private mastermind together that you had put together for all these top podcasters. So again, hats off. Thank you, sir. Um, that was an incredible day, better than any mastermind I've been to, that's for sure. Mm. But with that said, one of the things you talked about was initially this event, you thought it would be this new media and you might include other things, blogging maybe and social media, and you sort of played with that. But it's sort of taken its own little life in just the podcast world, which led eventually to launching Podcast Magazine, the first ever magazine in the industry. Can you talk about the real genesis? Like, what was the first time you thought about the concept of even doing a magazine? And was it initially a magazine or was it a concept that was something different and it turned into a magazine? Can you tell me a little bit about the thought process and the initial brainstorm creations of it? Yeah. You know, it's... Um it's interesting. So as again, as I look at these four words, I am a promoter. Um, <laughs> I can't help but think, my God, that's, that is really what Podcast Magazine is designed to do, right? I mean, it is truly designed to elevate the industry as a whole, as well as promote shows that mm, so many people may not be familiar with, but should be listening to, right? So, so interesting. Um, and even the New Media Summit. Oh my God, dude, you have opened up a whole new line of thinking for me. I'm available for executive coaching, nine to five, Monday through Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so, Podcast uh, Magazine. 
Right. And so, yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I, I mean, I can, cause I remember it very, very clearly and I always give credit where credit is due. Uh, so Brendan Burchard is a, uh, is, I'll just call him an associate. He is someone that spoke on my stage internet profits live back in 2013. I've known him, uh, at a distance for, for some time. Occasionally if I text him, he may actually answer me back. So I'd just say he's a, an associate, but I have nothing but respect for the guy. And I was at uh, an event of his back in, uh, October, which was called influencer. And I love what Brendan does. He's always been on the leading edge of things. And so I'm in San Diego. I live in San Diego. Uh, and he was doing an event here in San Diego uh, called Influencer, where he's bringing in top influencers, giving the opportunity to share what they're doing, how they're doing it, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, man, cool. Let me go check that out. And I had kind of caught wind that he was launching Influencer Magazine at some point. Um, but I thought it was going to come out. It didn't come out. I was at the event. I saw a sign for it, went to the site, said it's going to come out later, 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 later. And then I'm sitting there going, Influencer Magazine, what a brilliant idea. Like, you know, you're going to sit there and you're going to interview all these cool folks. You're going to put them on the covers. You're going to do features, et cetera. And then, well, what are they going to do? You know, they're going to share their features. So I was like, that's just darn smart. <laughs> so, so as I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, wow, good idea. That's kind of general. And like you said, New Media Summit, very broad. Influencer, very broad. And then I was thinking, I wonder if there's anything that's really focused on the consumer, on the fans of podcasts. Because I know there's some good industry rags, some good publications and some good events for podcasters. But who's kind of the Sports Illustrated of the world for podcasting? You know, who, where's the People magazine? Where's like, you know, that, that sort of vibe, a lifestyle publication around podcasts? And I started looking around online and I couldn't find anything. And I was like, my God, this just doesn't make any sense to me that there isn't a publication that's B2C, you know, as opposed to being for, for the podcasters themselves. Isn't that funny that you have what, I mean, we were just looking at the stats, 950-ish thousand, almost a million podcasts in existence. And everything in the industry is focused on the podcasters in a way. It's like, we're going to sell things to podcasters and have conferences for podcasters. But there's a million podcasts. How many listeners are there? How many downloads? How many trillions of downloads are there? And downloads are people. So go on. This is It's just such an incredible gap. Yeah. And so one of the things that you heard me talk quite a bit about at the New Media Summit, one of the things that I've been just acutely aware of, at least during the last four or five years of my career, is that there comes a point in time where you just have to put, you know, you just got to plant that flag and just say, this is the conversation that I most want to be a part of. And so as I began really thinking about it, what conversation do I most want to be a part of? And having a love for podcasting and being a podcaster off and on since 2009 and really on now since 2015, I just, I knew that there was a big piece of me that, that loves this, this medium and really wants to be an advocate for the industry as best as I can. And so I made that decision, like that's the conversation I want to be a part of. And so when people talk about podcasting, how do I force my way into that conversation, right? I mean, it's not going to be based on downloads of my shows, I'm not going to compete with Joe Rogan or Crime Junkie or, you know, any of those. And the event that I have is pretty good, but it's not really scalable because we give everybody the opportunity to take center stage. So how do I force my way into that conversation? And ultimately, the second question that that had to be asked and the question that I ask all of you to think about is how do you become the hub of the wheel instead of a spoke on it? 
right? And so how do you make all things in that conversation that you most want to be a part of connect to you? And, and that's when it just hit me. I was like, you know what? I, I don't want to be one of a million or 2 million or 3 million or 10 million podcasts. I want to be the hub of the wheel. And, and this was the natural conclusion. And so we literally launched the magazine from the moment that I sat in that chair and came up with that idea and paid money, real money for the domain podcastmagazine.com. Yeah. To, it wasn't eight ninety nine. You had to buy it. It was for sale, right? I had to buy it. It wasn't crazy, but I did have to buy it. And from that moment of sitting there with that idea and assembling the, the editorial team and designers, et cetera, et cetera, we launched in roughly a hundred days. That's insane, man. Like, do you, do you, are, are there parallels to doing, cause you've done a lot of product launches and, and you're in the middle of a launch right now, in fact, around podcasting. Are there parallels to launching the magazine, launching a podcast or launching a, doing a product launch? And if so, what are they? Or are they totally different animals? Yeah, the online product launch, if we're, if we're thinking in terms of sort of the Jeff Walker model, if you will, uh, sure. is a pretty unique animal. I mean, it has a, a very specific process. It has a very specific timeline. Um, I, I will say with confidence that modeling a typical online product launch is fairly easy to do because there are so many people who do it every single week. Whereas launching a magazine is a very different animal because no one really talks about the process of what it takes to, to launch a, a magazine, digital, physical, or otherwise, right? So it's definitely been a much bigger learning curve than I could have ever imagined. Uh, but certainly in terms of creating interest and assembling partners to support the launch and spread the word about what you're doing. And uh, of course, creating a product that is going to resonate and, and land well with, with your intended audience. And there's certainly similarities from, from that standpoint. But now having done both, mm -hmm. uh, I would say that probably an online product launch is about a hundred times easier <laughs> than launching them. <laughs> Would you, and this is kind of an odd question, but because it's not a real question, it's all theoretical, but knowing what you know now after the hundred days, plus the launch, plus where you are now, would you do it all over again? And if you would do it again, would you do it the same? Or is there something that sticks out glaringly obvious that you go, you know, if I was to launch my second magazine, I would make sure I do this. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I think speed ultimately is, is, is going to be, no matter what business you're in, you know, speed wins. And so I would say. If you're not first, you're last. Yeah. You know, I would say all things being equal, I couldn't imagine doing things terribly different than, than what we did. The only thing that I look at now is we, we're, we've got a pretty good out-of-pocket investment going into this thing, and we're, we're about three issues in right now. And so the out-of-pocket is real. The monetization strategy was not clear. And okay. so it was one of those things of let's launch, and if we do it right, good things will happen. And, and I will say that that's not always the case. 
And in, and in this case, we, we don't have the, mm, I, I was looking at this from a lifestyle standpoint, the absolute vodkas and the hospitality companies and the, you know, I mean, you name it, right? All those sort of folks coming in and, and clamoring around what we're doing here. Um, and it hasn't happened yet. So um, perhaps if, if I were to do it again, I would have a little more clarity uh, around the monetization strategy prior to launch. Which is, is pretty sound advice for just about anything. You know, I've, I've had a lot of speaker and, and entrepreneur friends that of course, you know, with my podcast success and, and, and much, um, many parts, thanks to you, um, people ask me a lot about podcasting. And one of the first questions I ask is, do you want to monetize it or don't you? And if so, how do you want to do that? Is it through mm -hmm. advertising? Is it through, you know, the audience converting to clients? Is it through using it as access to the guests that you want to have access to? A lot of different ways to monetize these things. But, you know, if you can get clear up front, I think it's a heck of a lot better because then, you know, you, you know which direction you're going, even if it's not going to be for six months or a year, right? You know what the goal is, you know what you're aiming at, and you're probably going to pivot a little bit less. Um, last couple of questions as we, as we wind down here, Steve. Um, now that, you know, you've sat down with some of the top podcasters in this space, I've seen you, you've sat down and interviewed with Dave Ramsey. Of course, we got to meet Jocko as you actually invited him to do a live interview in front of 200 people uh, at the seminar, which was a, an experience in and of itself. Um, What's your favorite joke? Uh, <laughs> Jocko doesn't like jokes. <laughs> that might have been one of the best moments. One of the best moments. He just looks so serious. And of course he was. Steve leans over and says, what's your favorite joke? And he just looked back at Steve like he had three heads. <laughs> he said, what? I actually have to repeat that question three times. Yeah. No, what, what's your favorite joke? Joke? <laughs> Did you actually ask me that? I hope that makes it in, into the, uh, the magazine. Oh, yeah. who, who has been your favorite, um, I guess I'll call it a celebrity interview, you know, a bigger name, someone that you're like, hey, I want to be really prepared for, or however you would describe that. Who's been your favorite celebrity interview? And what happened that, I guess, made that such a favorite besides the fact, you know, they're a big name? Yeah. And, and, and I will say that this is the other side of the coin here that we didn't really talk about, which is if, if I really wanted to open the doors to some of these A-list a type players or B-list or however you're going to be grading them, you know, I wasn't going to be able to get people like, as you mentioned, Dave Ramsey to come on to reinvention radio or beyond eight figures. It just wasn't going to happen. You know, I mean, that's just the reality we've asked and, you know, they don't respond, but 99% of the people that we've asked to sit down for podcast magazine have said yes. And so to that end, you know, we started incredible. with Glenn it is, man, it's incredible. I agree. And so we started with Glenn Washington, who's the host of Snap Judgment and Spooked and Heaven's Gate, uh, just an incredibly uh, successful podcaster who kind of flies under the radar a little bit. Uh, and then in issue two, I'm sitting down with Katie Couric, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting down with Jordan Belfour, issue four with Adam Carolla and the head of podcast one, Norm Pattis. And then, you know, Dave Ramsey, like you said, and Jocko. And it's just, it's, it's insane. And so, yeah, I, I really do try to do my, not my fair share of homework, but a lot of research and, and make sure that the interview really does take the reader as we say, beyond the microphone, right? Because you can just do some research and just figure out who these people are if you're really interested. My goal with each of those features is to get 
deeper into their lives and go beyond the microphone in ways that most people just won't ever, won't ever see and hear from them. And so I, I will say that um, sitting down with Dave Ramsey was definitely uh, a bit nerve wracking for me, although I don't get too nervous, but I've had a lot of admiration for Dave uh, for, for a long time now. I mean, I'd say almost 20 years. Yeah. And, and, and he's got a huge team and I mean, he's got a thousand employees, dude. It is a massive endeavor in this big, huge, beautiful facility outside of Nashville. And I mean, just the real deal and they are real protective of him. And so there were probably nine people in the room when, when we did that video sit down. And that was in his office in, in it the Dave is, Ramsey yeah, studios where they, he does yeah. his daily three hour show, like mm. an incredibly huge deal, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I would say that that is probably the most nervous I have been. I mean, I, I interviewed Jillian Michaels in her house in Malibu, just looking over the ocean and, you know, it's like, it's all well and good. And like I said, I don't really get nervous, but, but Dave uh, just, and I think it, he himself, was as nice as could be, but it was like everyone else around him just being so protective that it was like, Ooh, I, I hope I don't mess this up. Yeah. So more, uh, more nervous than Jocko than I take it. You know what? Jocko's a, Jocko's not like the kind of guy that is going to do anything other than just look at you funny. But if you step over that line, you're probably going to feel it. Did you see those Thor like hands that uh, my, like he's got mallets for hands. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It was the actual Thor hammer. I think he had one on, on each. <laughs> I gotta ask him what he does for his neck exercises. My goodness. Uh, but yeah. good by stuff. The way, yeah. One of my, my favorite part of the Jocko interview, by the way, was because I train in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and I've been doing it for a long time. And, and he does as well is I asked him, you know, what degree black belt he is. Yeah. And he said, I don't know. It's like, is that just because you're, you, you have so many degrees that you don't know, or just because you've never really even like, you don't even look at your belt anymore because it just doesn't matter like that. That answer I thought was really telling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like if you're trying to earn it and prove something, you know, you're like, Oh, I'm a second degree. I counted. Exactly. I have, right. I'm a third degree. This makes me important. He was so far beyond. He just said, I don't know, man. Like I just, I'll kill you. I don't know. <laughs> so, he didn't say that. Um, but I could think of, one more yeah. thing. One more thing. All I could think is that as I was sitting there with him, like about two feet away during this interview, all I could help but think Matt was, I am so glad this guy is on our side. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's all I could think. Cause he's still, you know, military guy for years. I was glad I got him asked a question of my, I'm glad that there was a microphone between us. Not that it would have protected me, but it was sort of like, I don't know, like, like throwing your hands up, you know, it's a, it's a false sense of security, <laughs> but genuinely good dude, great father, really, really good interview. So I'm looking forward to, to reading the Jocko interview coming out. And of course you're going to drop that for the, the, well, I don't know if you want to talk about what else is coming on for podcast magazine, but um, yeah. how do we get a hold of podcast magazine? Where do you find it? And how do you read up on Glenn Washington, Katie Couric coming out next? How do you, how do you get involved with that? Yeah. Yeah, man. So uh, the good news is we made it really, really simple. And I did, uh, and I did buy the domain of podcastmagazine.com to keep it, uh, to keep it super simple. So yeah, we're, we're still doing free lifetime subscriptions, at least as of this recording. And so- really? Yeah. So podcastmagazine.com is the uh, best place to go. Well, that tells me that uh, every one of you listening right now, pull over the car if you're on the radio. If you're on demand, just pause it, be safe, but go to podcastmagazine.com. 
and you get a lifetime subscription for free. That is pretty cool. You don't get it uh, monthly like the Times and like all these other publications. And I've seen like I've also held the physical the physical magazine, which of course I'm sure is available for purchase. I've held that, and man, it is nice. Like you you haven't spared any expense. Um, you it's the real deal. Like this is one of the top quality magazines I think of any industry. Like I, I think I could put that right up against uh, you know a big time sports magazine or a Guns and Ammo or a Men's Fitness, whatever yeah. it is or the industry. It it 100% belongs on the table. So podcastmagazine.com, free lifetime subscription. And you can follow him on Instagram at the podcast mag. And then follow Steve and see, you know, because he's got a beautiful wife, a couple lovely kids. They're doing a lot of different businesses and things going on. So follow Steve, see what's going on with this man on Facebook at uh, steve.olsher. You can catch up on all things Steve. But final question, or actually I want to ask you, is there anything final that you have on the tip of your tongue that you're wanting to share that I would cut you off from? Mm, yeah, you know, man, I would just simply say that in, uh, in, this, in yeah, in this in this moment in time, uh, it just it's never been more important to realize and recognize and embrace the fact that you are the solution to someone else's problem. You know, and then there are people who are literally waiting and praying for you to show up in their lives, and ultimately, no matter how far down the path you are, and if you you know if you got that imposter syndrome thing, you don't think you're far enough down the path to help anyone. Just remember that to a second grader, a fifth grader is a God and you've definitely got something to teach and, and they're waiting to hear it. Couldn't say it better myself. They're waiting to hear from you. So Steve, thanks for taking your time, man. I appreciate it. I know you got a lot on your plate this week. Um, I genuinely appreciate you taking the time with us and Hey, get out there, crush it, keep crushing it, keep doing what you're doing. And I will see you very soon down the road, my friend. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, brother. Thanks, man. All right, guys, that's the show for this week. Remember to catch up with all things Steve Olsher. Facebook is steve.olsher. And then you can follow them uh, at the Podcast Mag on Instagram. And then go to podcastmagazine.com for a free lifetime subscription to the only magazine dedicated to podcast fans going beyond the microphone with some of today's top podcasters. I, uh, I cannot endorse this <laughs> publication enough. Uh, I hope one day to be featured in it in some way, somehow. Hey, that's it for me. Get out there this weekend or stay in this weekend, whatever you got to do, but keep crushing it. Keep moving forward one foot in front of the other or one finger in front of the other on the keyboard, whatever your chosen entrepreneur path is, make sure you get it. I'll see you next week with another Driven Entrepreneur. Bye-bye. 